Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey there. Gary Parrish. Welcome back. CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with you on YouTube. Smash the like button like your Brandon Davies to have consent and... Don't forget while you're here to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. Deadleg, it's Wednesday. How you doing on this Wednesday? I'm doing well. That was a wonderful start to the show there on YouTube. I don't I know love. what happened. You tell me what happened. Why don't you, why don't you tell <laughs> I me got no idea. what happened? I got no idea. Real quick, because this is a Wednesday show. GP's got his, his Memphis gig at 11 Eastern, so we don't have a full hour to do this. However... Man, I had the most vivid, weirdest dream, and it was you and me. And it was you and me in this. This is last night. Oh, wow. You and me in this office trying to do a live podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube, it was it was us kind of like right here. I had to move the drum set out of the way and I was trying to set up the camera I'm looking into right now. I was trying to set it up over there. For whatever reason, you were at my house. We had to do a live podcast and we could not get this going because I swear to you, the I don't. Can someone explain to me what the hell this dream means? We could not get this going because you refused to stop laying on the floor and listening to Vanessa Carlton's 1,000 Miles on your phone. I swear to God to you. What in the damn world? And then I woke up. There we go. Sing the song to me. See if I recognize it. Uh, it's a little early here. If I could walk 1,000 miles, you know. You know, the that sounds like making your way downtown. That's making your way downtown. There you go. That's the song? That's the song. You wouldn't stop playing it on your phone and you wouldn't set up to do the podcast and then we never Well that actually makes a lot of sense because there are times where I just won't stop playing that on my on my phone. Okay. I almost got kicked out of a flight in late 2022 because I wouldn't stop playing that on my phone and I'd forgotten my AirPods. So I just played it. I just, I just played it for the, for the plane. I, I, you ever see somebody just listening to stuff on their phone without head, um, uh, without headphones, like on a plane? Uh, plane rarely, but you know, going into uh, New York City every so often, needing to take the subway to go to places that is uh, that is to be expected. Do people just not know better? Yeah, is that what it is? Is that is better. that is when I look at people and they're just listening to stuff on their phone yeah. on a plane? Should I just go? You know what? They don't know any better. Yeah, I think you just. I think the move, unless it's unless yeah. 
think you just let it just stew and let it happen there. But uh, I figure I would. That's what, what I would. GP, what a weird one. I mean, that was just. Uh, yeah. And here we are. We're podcasting. You're here. I don't hear Vanessa Carlton. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Hey, hey, I guess I, I shouldn't have to tell anybody where we're starting this one. That's not everyone knows. Oh, buddy. Final score, South Carolina, 79, Kentucky, 62. Neither uh, Meech Johnson nor anybody else got 30 points. That was unfortunate. Nobody was Devin Downey. Regardless, Gamecocks are now 16-3, and three, and Kentucky, with all those NBA prospects, down to 20th at Ken Palm. What do you make of this situation we see developing in the SEC, dead leg? Well, how about this? Uh, back-to-back shows here, previous show. We're all in on Kentucky. We're all in on Zivonimir Avisic, and he had 1.3 fouls and 10 minutes played. So, well, that, that, You know what? The biggest number there of all that? 10 minutes play. What does that tell you? Well, Kentucky's got a lot of dudes, but he's not he's not quite ready. And, and what uh, did I tell you? What did I tell you Sunday? I said, hey, I, that was a fun story. But I'm telling you, when I first heard, hey, this guy's a prospect and he might come to the United States and play college basketball. Nobody was talking about him. Nobody that I talked to was talking about him being the, the next great thing immediately. I, I, I said on Sunday's podcast I, and I wasn't predicting this and I certainly wasn't hoping for it, but like. That might be like this. The the like we'll never we won't see that exactly again. What he did in his debut, and certainly game two, uh, it it brought us back down to reality a little bit. It did, and we'll get to South Carolina in just a second. But I will say this, um, and I had a I had a note on DJ Wagner in my court report on Tuesday about my belief that Kentucky's ascendance here to top five to ten team status was owed in decent part to DJ Wagner's consistency he's been getting better better and better he was actually the sec freshman of the week not big z it was the third time he had won that award and he didn't have a good game it wasn't just him but he wasn't impactful and uh i don't think there's one single player on this kentucky team where you can say not even reed shepherd and all of his efficiency i don't think there's a single player who you can say he goes uh, so as he goes you know kentucky goes as the old saying goes but uh but him not playing well i think was a major factor last night it was dillingham and trey mitchell um, they had a combined 29 points and shot 12 to 22 from the field. So those two guys played well. The rest of the team had 33 points and shot 13 to 40 from the field. Um, the defense was a huge issue. Yet again, Kentucky's allowed more than one point per possession in every single SEC game that it's played so far. And uh, it, we mentioned it amid uh, amid you know some deserved praise after the the home win over Georgia. We did mention the concerns with the defense, and that that is a major one. Surprised. Everyone shoots well against us. Antonio Reeves said we got punked after this game, and they and they did. Um, it was South Carolina's kind of from the jump, from the tip there, GP, and uh, and and good on the game cost. No one, no one went for thirty. It was a home win over a top ten Kentucky team, but no one went for thirty. So Devin Downey uh, stands alone in the shouts. But uh, but credit to uh, Taylon Cooper who had twenty points, five career high by the way, twenty uh, five rebounds, six dimes. And I thought it was a win that really put South Carolina at the table in the discussion to be an NCAA tournament team. Still work to do, but that was its second quad one win of the season, and that was a big one. What were your takeaways? Um, I'm not surprised that South Carolina won. I think they can beat even the best teams in the country. And for weeks now, everybody's been calling Kentucky one of the best teams in the country. I think they can win games like that at home. Um, I think whether they'll be an NCAA tournament team or not is going to come down largely to what they can do away from home. You know, can they hold it together when they have to leave South Carolina? But 
in that building, they're going to be able to play with with anybody. Um, I'm, I am a little surprised that it was a blowout and that it was a blowout for much of the second half uh, because Kentucky looked like maybe it had turned a corner a little. Obviously, the most recent impression we had seen, though they let it get a little closer than maybe you wanted it to get late over the weekend, it was just like, oh, man, who's got more interesting, more great, more talented players than John Calipari once again? Um, but and this is something I'd stressed earlier in the week. When you look at the body of work, like what have you actually done? There's not a lot there. Uh, I, I, these two thoughts, I think, can can be held at the same time. I don't think Kentucky's anywhere close to a top ten team, and really at this point, a top fifteen team, based on body of work, resume, what you've accomplished since the season started. But if you told me still right now, even after what I saw last night, I got to pick four teams that. Um, have the best shot to win the national title, actually win six games in the NCAA tournament, I would have Kentucky on that list. The ceiling is extremely high. The talent is off the charts. Um, I like the roster balance in terms of experience, uh, more so than I have with previous John Calipari coach teams at UK. Um, I still think everything that um, everybody else thinks possible with this team is, is, is very possible. I just don't know how good they are right now, like right now in this minute. When they play well, they look great, but they don't always play well. That's the thing. And they're sitting here now. Uh, they're under 500 in quadrant one. They're two and three in quadrant one. So they only have two quadrant one wins. They have a quadrant three loss to Wilmington. And next up, they're going to Arkansas. And Arkansas is obviously a mess. But, Norlander, you sat in Bud Walton yeah. earlier this year, earlier this season, and watched them beat Duke. So, there, it's it, again, Arkansas's headed the wrong direction since then. But that building can still get tricky for anybody. And regardless of where Arkansas's basketball team seems to be at this moment, I believe college game day's there. The crowd yes. will obviously be um, incredible. And that ain't going to be easy. For, I, I mean, it might be easier for Kentucky. We'll see. Last night was easy for South Carolina. Nobody thought that was going to be the case. So we'll see whether it's easy or not. But like they could they could get challenged at Arkansas. And then we come back here Sunday night and we're talking about a, a Kentucky team that is uh, maybe on the verge at that point of, of slipping completely out of the top 25. If there's a listener out there that wants to do the research and uh, just feels compelled to, um, if Arkansas were to beat Kentucky at home, I'd be curious as to the last time a non-ACC team, uh, or I guess a team period, beat both Kentucky and Duke at home in the same season. Uh, when the last time that has happened. Uh, it's, Arkansas has got to do it. It's not a good team right now. Uh, but as you mentioned, that I am curious. We'll obviously talk about the game on, on Friday. A uh, couple more quick ones to, to put a bow on this game and the situation with both these teams. I'll start with Kentucky. Justin Edwards just has to be better. This is a player who was projected in the top three in the preseason. He is nowhere near that discussion from an NBA draft standpoint at this point. Uh, he had two points and played 23 minutes, and it's just one game after another after another with him. For whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. Now, there's been there's so much talent around him, but at, at a certain point, like, is he going to step up and be a little bit more impactful? Bradshaw, understandably, got a later start, but those guys are going to need to be more consistent because um, you got a lot of talent coming off the bench. But uh, if you're going to continue to put these guys in the starting lineup and, and kind of try and announce your presence, particularly on the road, you can't really have that. Like, it can't be, let's rely on Trey Mitchell and Antonio Reeves, and then hopefully we get a little uh, special sauce from Reed Shepard off the bench, and Dillingham's always good for uh, for a freak three or two. It's got to be more than just that. On that note, Reed Shepard had three points in 14 minutes last night. It wasn't really an impact, much of a factor there. The guard play wasn't there. Um, Kentucky, just again, not having a... 
not nearly in sync enough. And I, I do credit, I credit South Carolina, man. It, it was its uh, highest ranked win against Kentucky since obviously the Devin Downey game. Shouts to Tom Hart, by the way. We know you listen to the pod, Tom. We appreciate that. We both got messages uh, that you uh, that you dropped in the old uh, shout out to Devin Downey on the broadcast. Not, not the first time for Mr. Tom Hart to do that. We always appreciate you uh, sneaking that into uh, to an ESPN broadcast, man. And by the way, for South Carolina, third straight win over Kentucky and this team has now uh, from a, from a uh, from a win standpoint I mean it's 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 surpassed year one for for Lamont Paris and and, and good on him to be able to get this group because last year was a totally lost year and wasn't projected to be a tournament team this season at 15 and three it's done a remarkable job so far and that building looked uh, tremendous yet you know on a weekly basis we get a reminder of why college hoops can be so fun it's because of the environments it's because of the way these fan bases invest in these big games that was a huge game game in Columbia and uh, the Gamecocks needed it to validate their status as NCAA tournament worthy more work to do but uh, but no team got a bigger win for itself uh, in the first two weeknights of this of this week so far than the Gamecocks no you mentioned last season for Lamont at South Carolina it was just a it was a mess remember they he gets the you know they they enrolled Gigi Jackson who at one point was number one prospect in his class Reek committed to North Carolina he was number one in class of 2023. There, there's an alternate reality where Gigi Jackson right now is is playing for North Carolina, uh, a top five team. As it was, he reclassed, went to South Carolina. They were bad. He was bad. He went from one no, number one player in his class to the 45th pick in the draft in a span of 18 months. I only say all this because he talked about it earlier or within the past week, over the weekend, I believe, with uh, Drew Hill from the Daily Memphian because Gigi now plays for the Grizzlies. And he was like, you know, he acknowledged like a lot of it was money related and IL related. And, you know, I could I could do things that, that I, you know, there was a lot of money to be made by reclassifying, getting to college early, going to South Carolina, staying home. But one of the things he said was, but if you look at that team now. Um, they're good now, and they weren't good when I was there. Maybe I was the problem. And I don't know that he was the problem, but it is. South Carolina wasn't good with Gigi Jackson, and Gigi Jackson wasn't good at South Carolina, and that yeah. will forever be true. Um, but now he's like, because of injuries and everything else, in the Grizzlies rotation, and he has, he's had some flashes of like, oh, wow, that's why I was ranked number one in his class. And now South Carolina, not only does it look like a possible NCAA tournament team, I looked at the Gamecocks for the top 25 and one. Like, I went and looked at it, and I, I stopped short of ranking them. Just because I have uh, San Diego State at 26 right now, and I, I simply think San Diego State's body of work is better than mm -hmm. South Carolina's, but I looked at them, and if they were to win this weekend and show up in the AP poll on Monday, and honestly, if they win this weekend or even before then, depending on what else happens, I could have them in the top 25 and one. But if they win this weekend and some AP voters put them on the ballot and get them right, it's fine. They, they, you can reasonably do it. The computer numbers aren't great, but the record is the record. They do have three quadrant one wins. There's there's enough good stuff there to, to rationalize it if you want to. All right, let's take a tour around uh, the rest of Tuesday night, including and and maybe uh, one other Monday one. But before that, that's right. I'm taking I'm taking I'm taking this right there. Nada, you know what to do. It's time for a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Deadleg, what else do we need to know from the past couple days? All right, we'll stick uh, mostly Tuesday, but we'll get to we'll get to UNC as well. I did some damage there on Monday. Um, Dayton, let's go with Dayton first. You talked about Dayton was in my court report on Tuesday. Uh, you talked about the Flyers on Inside College Basketball on Tuesday in the studio there in Midtown Manhattan. It won sixty six fifty four over LaSalle. We don't need to go long on Dayton, but I just want to acknowledge it's won thirteen in a row. It has yet to lose, obviously, in in a ten play. It's it's streets ahead of the competition from a metric standpoint. Uh, I believe Richmond also hasn't lost yet. Uh, but Deron Holmes, he had 22 points, 10 boards. He he really has a viable case right now as a first-team All-American. And uh, my quick blurb in the court report was basically, this is you know building to be the redemption tour for 2020. This team isn't as good as 2020. Deron Holmes has been awesome. He's not Obi Toppin, but he has entered the Obi Toppin realm. He has been that good, and he's a different kind of player. And oh, by the way, he's a better three-point shooter now. Uh, the Nobi Toppin, and it's a fun story, and it's one that I wanted to write about this week because I think as we get into mid-February, and Dayton probably will get clipped once or twice in league play, but you're probably going to hear uh, plenty, as you should. Like this deserves some some ink and some talk and some uh, some discussion. But I wanted to get in early and say, you know, we're almost coming up on four years since the 2020 tournament got canceled, and now finally Anthony Grant, who has never coached his team on the sideline of an NCAA tournament game, which is wild. Dayton has had every single coach since the early 1950s as coach that program has, has taken the program to the tournament. They've never had someone take a job and not get Dayton in the tournament. Anthony Grant technically hasn't done that. That will end this year. Yeah. I, I mentioned this last night at some point on air, like obviously the 2020 NCAA tournament getting canceled was devastating for the sport, broadly speaking and individually Kansas, which would have been the number one overall seed. And, um, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, like, you know, everybody who missed out on it, missed out on it and it stinks, but I felt especially bad for San Diego state and for Dayton because yeah, like Bill self could be sitting here as a three-time national champion right now, if the pandemic never hits, but you can reasonably assume, well, Bill self will be back in that position again someday. And he was, he's won a title since then. You could reasonably assume, well, Mike Krzyzewski will be back in this position someday, or John Calipari will be back in this position someday. I don't think you could reasonably assume that Anthony Grant at Dayton would ever again be in a position uh, where he has this deep in the season, a team that could theoretically be a number one seed in the tournament and a player who could theoretically be a first-team All-American. Like, that's where we were in 2020, and I didn't know if we'd ever get back there at Dayton. And here we are in 2024, we're already back there. I don't think Dayton will be a number one seed, but it can. Yeah. If it won out, it needs other, to. I, I it think would have it needs probably. to win out. It can maybe lose one game. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. predicting it. I don't even think it's worth speculating on or trying to break down. I don't I think agree. it'll happen. I agree. But I do think it's possible. And I do think Deron Holmes being a first team All American is probably more possible than Dayton being a, a number one seed. It feels like, barring an injury, everybody's playing for second place 
in the National Player of the Year conversation. So it doesn't even feel uh, appropriate to say he could be a Wooden Award winner because unless Zach Eady gets hurt, right. Zach Eady is going to be a Wooden Award winner. That's a wrap. Yeah. But as I uh, have mentioned about other players, most recently R.J. Davis, it does feel like uh, we have four first-team All-America spots open. Who's going to play on that team or be on that team with Zach Eady? And, yeah, I think R.J. Davis, who had 36, by the way, Monday, um, I think he could be one of those guys. And clearly, Deron Holmes could also be one of those guys. Yeah, um, I've got uh, I've got uh, UNC here tagged for the end of the of our quick little whip around. But let's just touch on R.J. Davis right now, because R.J. Davis and Deron Holmes are, are really in a strong contention race right now for uh for that number two spot right behind Edie and uh and davis going for a career high earlier this week carolina continues to separate itself from the acc duke was able to get a win at louisville no big shock there on tuesday night but carolina beat wake forest carolina's holding teams to less than 63 points per game in the midst of its nine game winning streak eight no in the acc it is held um it is held uh, it's played 19 games, and I think 13 out of 19 or 14 out of 19 uh, teams have been held under one point per possession. The defense is absolutely legit, as I detailed uh, with a reader ma- mailbag question in the court report on Tuesday. Um, Carolina hasn't had a defense that ranked better than its offense since 2013-14. That team, every every. UNC team since has had a better offense than a defense. Um, that team was a six seed and won 24 games, ranked 29th. This team is better than that. Um, I'm all in on the on on the defense there. Um, the fact that it ran away from Wake Forest, I think, is actually more problematic for the ACC. I was wondering if Wake could keep it close, maybe even peel off an upset. It didn't happen. Good on UNC. Good on RJ Davis. He continued. Uh, RJ Davis right now. I think. I think RJ Davis. I I think I would have him number two. If you actually go to Kempom Player of the Year, I'll go. It's Edie, then Holmes. Number two, Deron Holmes for Player of the Year. Then Flip at Duke, Jaden Ledee, Janai Broom, Jamal Shedd. We'll get to Houston in just a second, then R.J. Davis. But if you've been watching the games and seeing what R.J. Davis is on, I think I would have R.J. Davis number two in my overall player in the power ranking. And then probably Holmes three. Be an interesting conversation. I think Dalton Connect's got to be in there. Um, Jaden Ladee has done really, really well. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on you. Well, I, I, I do. I, I, Davis was good, in, along with Holmes. Those are two first team All Americans, right? Now. I'll be quick on this. Um, it's just something I noticed, and there's I don't know that there's any great way to look this up. I don't even know if Jared Burson could do this, and he owns ESPN Stats and Info. He invented not. it, and now he currently owns it. Okay. Um, it just sort of occurred to me as I was looking at it. So three years ago, R.J. Davis's freshman season. Armando Baycott led North Carolina in scoring, and R.J. Davis was fifth on the team in scoring. All right? Single digits, fifth on the team in scoring. Fast forward to the present. R.J. Davis is not only leading North Carolina in scoring, he's leading the ACC in scoring. Mm-hmm. And Armando Baycott is still in the program. He's never left the program. How yeah. rare is this? That feels rare. You play on a team with somebody. You're the fifth leading scorer. They are the leading scorer. Eventually, you become the leading scorer of at your school, but the guy who was the leading scorer when you were the fifth leading scorer, he's still on the team and has never left. That is not normal. Yeah, <laughs> Jared, look that up, Jared. I Person. love, I love these observations, and I and yeah, try, that is a that is a wonderful uh, observation, and I couldn't tell you the last time it's ever happened. Obviously, I'd love to know the last time that happened because it is extremely, it's extremely abnormal, uh, particularly at. at 
at the D1 high major college level in particular. Um, that, uh, that really is something there. But good on RJ Davison. Yeah, I was just mentioned in the chat. UNC has gone three straight games without allowing a fast break point. That is outrageous. I don't, you play in a power conference, you go three straight games, you don't allow a point in transition. Defense is for real. Hubert Davis and that staff deserve to be commended. Uh, Carolina is a comfortable favorite. Duke is, is, is you know, number two, but Carolina is the favorite, and uh, it's got a clear lead in the ACC. Let's continue the whip around. Two uh, Big 12 results from Tuesday night. Texas, horns down. Could have been the event that changed the entire season, man. Texas beat Oklahoma, went on the road, gave Oklahoma its first loss of the season. Dylan DeSue had 19 points, 10 rebounds. It was his first double uh, double of the season. DeSue is kind of a guy... In the Big 12, keep an eye. He really is. Um, X Factor might not even be uh, giving him enough credit because he is that, but he really can be a game changer on both ends. He was hurt early in the season. And um, and man, oh man, they uh, Texas did a number on him. Oklahoma, not only just his first home loss, went 4 of 19 from three-point range, uh, did a great job defensively. And then Max Aismas had 22 points, hit four threes. He passed Elvin Hayes. For 15th on the all-time scoring list, uh, Max Aismas did. He is now set to pass, I believe, in his next. I believe in his next game here, as long as it goes uh, the way he's expecting to pass. Alfredrick Hughes trivia time. Okay, who did? And maybe you know this because maybe it came up on a graphic in the studio on Tuesday. Yeah. So I might be. I might. I might be. I might be uh, walking right into it. Who did Alfredrick Hughes play for? Oh, I mean UMass Lowell. <laughs> No, but the team did. The team did play on Tuesday night, and has made a Final Four in the past eh, six years. Let's just put it like that. Played on Tuesday night. Oh, Frederick Hughes, Lakers. Uh, he was drafted by the Spurs, and uh, I think it was a cup of coffee situation there. Played for Loyola Chicago. Oh, yeah. Max Aismas. He's a rambler. Staring. He's a rambler. He's a rambler. Max Aismas is staring down Al Frederick Hughes, and used then- to date. Sister Jean did not. Uh, Danny Manning is after that. Danny Manning used to date Sister Jean. That's the story. That's why people wow podcast. They don't tell you about that in the mainstream media. Danny and the miracles, man. There we go. Danny and the miracles. Yeah. How do you think it became a miracle? Exactly. Sister Jean, divine intervention. She's got that magic touch. Uh, one other Big 12 result. Houston went on the road. It's 17-2. and two. It beat BYU. LJ Cryer, 23 points. 14 of them in the second half had five made threes. Good game. BYU rallied. Couldn't get the win. It's now 2-4 and four in the league. This was, of course, a metrics darling. Still fine from a resume standpoint, but now life in the Big 12 is really settling in. BYU has now given away games at home against Cincinnati and the Cougars. Any Big 12 thoughts, GP? Well, Houston obviously got off to a not-so-great start in the Big 12, one and two. No way to spin that into great. But I did always think that was just a byproduct of the schedule and nothing more. That that the reason Houston started one and two in the Big 12 is it because Houston was having problems adjusting to the Big 12, and you don't get this every night in the AAC. Like, I guess that's some of it. But the main one was, well, in your first three games in your league, you had to play one of them at Iowa State and the other one at TCU. And, like, you could be the best team in the country, and they might be. They they are in the net. They are at Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. You could be the best team in the country and still lose both those games. And I really, and I really do think the teams that are going to survive in the Big 12, right now there's 10 teams in the top 45 of the net in the Big 12. And if I were doing a bracket today, I would have 11 Big 12 teams in. I would have 11 Big 12 teams in the NCAA So tournament. let me just uh, – I'm going to say off the top of my head, the three that would not get in – 
are West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and then don't give it to me. Um, uh, UCF, I guess, would be the three that are not in, which means you'd have Cincinnati in. Yeah, I mean, I okay. think I, I think on body of work they're in right now. I mean, it's Cincinnati is is four in. Uh, uh, Cincinnati is. Uh, you know they 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 have no losses outside of the first two quadrants. They're top thirty-five in the net. They've got a quadrant one win. I think that's iffy. I think it's iffy, but I think right now you could reasonably get eleven teams in, and I think totally safely get get ten teams in. Easy yeah, ten teams in. I'm looking at this uh, Torvik thing right now. Torvik right now. I'm gonna guess it's nine. Uh, you can keep going. I'm just looking here. Torvik has oh, nine is the most likely. So Torvik as of today. Uh, 41.9% chance that it's nine teams. And then it is not that far behind 34.6% chance that it is 10 teams. Um, that's of course, I mean, just, just absurd, but no, no surprise whatsoever. Uh, the, one, the league did so much damage outside of a conference play. It's just going to feast upon itself. There are so many quad one games across the board. Teams are just going to be right. racking them up. And there's so few quad three results here that uh, the big 12 has, has a tie that has been lifted for basically every boat and provided that teams don't lose at home to the likes of UCF, Oklahoma state and West Virginia. It's only going to feed the beast. Mark me down. Ooh, boy, GP. Um, yeah, mark me down for ten. I think they get there with ten. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that makes they make. And I, I think I think the teams that survive in the Big Twelve are going to be the the teams whose coaches can, who can convince their players to not to quote Taylor Swift, mm. but like who can shake off because you're going to lose games. You're just going to like you're just going to you're going to lose games. You're going to have weeks where you feel like you're going to have weeks where you lose to UCF and you're getting hit with the horns down. And then, gonna, goes, yeah. and then you're gonna, and then you're gonna win y- your next two, yeah. right? And so you gotta, you gotta try to take care of what you need to take care of at home, and and then you gotta be able to just let the losses roll off of you. And I, it will be interesting to see how Houston handles that. Um, so far, so good. Obviously, you lose those two, then they bounce back. I think they've won three straight since then. But when you play it, this is the adjustment for a BYU for a. Uh, a Houston, when you play in the in the leagues they've been playing in, you don't have to. You don't actually have to bring it, for lack of a better phrase. Every game, you can get by most of your schedule in your league uh, just by like we're Houston, we're BYU, we're going to be fine. In this league, if you don't play, you'll you'll get beat. Like West Virginia is not good, and they just knocked off Kansas. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think Houston has bounced back from that that little rough two game skid, as we as we call it. That's but right. they're now fine. They're, I have them in the top five, the top 25 and one. And again, they are number one at Ken Palm, number one in the net. That's one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, we'll mention, by the way, Kansas won 74-69 Monday night at home. Uh, interesting development. Let's just give another game or two before we really dive in. Johnny, Fur- Johnny Furphy, just walking around my house, by the way, saying Johnny Furphy. Aussie coming off the bench, no longer coming off the bench. 23 points, 11 rebounds in that game. Kansas might have found its fifth really good player slash starter there. Let's just give it a couple more games, but that was also a notable. Well, one sport. thing I have noticed, like I've seen Bill, I believe multiple times at this point, Bill Self, mm-hmm. when he's talking either post-game press conferences or pre-game press conferences or halftime interviews or wherever you can see him speak, he has noticeably said multiple times, like we just, you know, when, so what do you need? One of those like type. Open. He, he, he said it like twice with Van Pelt on Monday night. There you go. That's yeah. right. We need all five starters to play well. We need all yeah. five starters to yes. be good. He's like really hammered in on, he's like, he seems to be talking about what everybody else is talking about. Like if I don't know that we need 10 guys, I don't know that we need, but we do need, when we put five guys on the court, 
we need all five of them to we we don't need to feel like we we're really lacking at one of those spots. And Furphy so far has been clearly the best option as the fifth starter. Um, and so that's if you're a Kansas fan, that that should be encouraging. Maybe just maybe you, you you found that guy to fill that spot, and 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 now you see if you can get one or two guys off your bench to be reliable rotation players, and like seven or eight, that's all you need. Two more games in the Big Ten before we get to what everyone's here for. That's right, DePaul basketball people. In the Big Ten, Nebraska has its best start through 20 games in 30-plus seasons. It won 83-69 over Ohio State. Shouts to another listener of the pod, Adam Jardy, who does a wonderful job covering Ohio State hoops and has for a number of years. He tried to walk into Pinnacle Bank and could not do so. The video was shared on the Ion College Basketball Twitter account. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and take a look at that. Uh, Ohio State also did not walk right in. 14-point loss. Rink Mast had a 34-point outing for Nebraska. Career high. He went nuts. Nebraska hasn't won 15 out of its first 20 games since 1990-91. That team was 18-2. And two. And, uh, and and big for uh, big for Fred Hoiberg. So continued. Uh, just a little bit sneaky here for Nebraska. They had the high-profile win over Purdue. But as we look around and we see an ACC that could struggle to get four teams in the tournament, we see a Pac-12 that could struggle to get four teams in the tournament. These bids are going to get eaten up. The Mountain West will take a de- decent amount of them. Will the WCC get one more than one or two your likes of your nebraska's out there the big 12 getting 10 potential bids that's where these things are going to get gobbled up we'll see if nebraska can continue to do it and then elsewhere wisconsin barely beat minnesota on the road 170 169 aj story to 15 points and 12 rebounds minnesota had to intentionally miss a foul shot with about two seconds to go and it almost worked it almost worked in fact i i rarely had seen a missed foul shot uh, benefit the the team that well. It just it just barely missed. They couldn't send it to OT. Uh, Wisconsin fouled up three, of course, and they get out there. They still have a one game lead on Purdue in the Big Ten. State. I can't tell you if I've never seen this, but I can tell you I was in studio last night with Shelvin Mack, two time participant in the national title game, NBA veteran. He said he had never seen a free throw shooter get his own miss under those circumstances. I think I've seen it happen, but it was more like the ball bounced right. He grabbed it. There was no one there that boxed him out. He it was it was perfect, and he just he just couldn't sink it. Yeah. I again, I'm not a basketball player, so I can't speak to this. But Shelvin was like, I don't think he should have tried to go off the backboard. He tried to bank it in, and it Mm. just missed. He's like, you don't try to bank that shot in. I've always wondered, actually, before and before the shot uh, was shot, I've always wondered, like, I could step to the foul line right now. Now, granted, I'm not in a two-point game with, you know, 14,000 people watching. Why don't players practice shooting an especially high arcing shot that they, like you just, you know, every so often so that you have it more likely to hit the back of the rim and carom, you know, with, with a higher pop, a higher bounce, a higher return. But it doesn't seem like anyone ever really tries that. It's more like, let me see if I can give it a little more acceleration as opposed to an arc. I've always wondered. It feels like if you do that, you've got a better chance of being higher in the air and winning a potential box out. But what do I? Wait, wait, whatever the proper approach is, it was it was properly done. It was and it was perfect. And then just missed the shot at the buzzer. That was a you know, congrats to the winning team. But if you're on the wrong end of that, that's that that make you sick. Let's talk to Paul. But for, hey, can I get one more word from my partners? You better. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Deadlang, the DePaul job is open. A Big East job is open. Yes, it is. Who you want to give it to? Give it to somebody. Well, before we get to that, you and I were both right. This was one of the you know ten or so things that we uh, try and predict every uh, every preseason. We had would we have a power conference job open before? I think it was the end of January was that was the uh, was the cut date, and we said yes. Um, it has happened for the sixth time in seven years for varying reasons. Uh, there has been a coaching change at the high major level, and now DePaul gets uh, first uh, first run at it. Here are the five names that I. I tried to give five names that I think are realistic candidates. So guys who would be a good fit that have, in in my opinion, which is something that is important, have been a head coach. I have them all as sitting head coaches and aren't uh, moonshots because DePaul has detailed, and this is the lead of the court report, it is the worst job in a power conference. Uh, Particularly like if you want to argue, well, maybe it's Washington State, maybe it's Oregon State. Fine, but those those schools are now going to the WCC. DePaul is not leaving the Big East. It's the worst job in a high major conference. And it has, with the exception of only one year, and that was like 05, 06, or 04, 05, one of those years, DePaul has finished last or tied for the second worst record in the Big East every single season. But doing been, they're doing the best they can. They're, they're not. Do, they're doing they're the, not, they're trying hard. It, it, it is truly an affront that this program maintains residence in a high major conference and simply refuses to act like it. And it, it, it endears the program to the sickos and hardcores of college hoops, online fandom. I get all that, but it's got, come on, we got to just, can we do something here? Can you get, can we get an eighth place finish something? So here are five candidates. One name I put on there that I hadn't seen out there that I think would be a really good fit is, uh, is Amir Abdurrahim. He's the coach at South Florida. He's in his first season. That uh, that team has one loss in the past seven weeks. He went from taking a one-loss Kennesaw State team to getting it to its first tournament ever in four years. He has been a program flipper. He's young. Again, I think DePaul needs to hire a sitting active head coach if it can at the D1 level. Darian DeVries at Drake. Don't think he would take it. He's the one where I don't... Th- of the five I put there, I think he's least likely. But he's a really, really good coach, man. And... What if it's one of those years where like Drake keeps it going and they keep going, but they can't seem to get out of the valley because Indiana State gets it done. And Drake and DeVries just if he's got an opportunity, he wants to try it at the next level. He's a Midwestern guy through and through. Maybe the other guy from the valley is Josh Schertz, who is doing a tremendous job with Indiana State. Uh, you will certainly be hearing more about the Sycamores as we continue to drive into the second half of the season here. He is probably the hottest name attached to the job that would seem somewhat reasonable. Um, really good tactician. I have him on the list. And then two more names. Bryce Drew at Grand Canyon. Now, I think Bryce Drew um, 
would potentially consider the job because it is a high major opportunity. And I thought he got cut off one year too soon at Vanderbilt. But as I wrote in the court report, I think he could wind up having other opportunities. And that's the problem. The problem and irony of DePaul is this. It's the first job that is out there in the high majors, but it's going to be last in line. So it's going to have first crack at, at making calls and seeing, getting some temperature reads. But so many of these candidates are just going to wait and see what other opportunities are out there, which puts DePaul in a tough spot. And then I've got Takeo Siddle at UNC Wilmington. He's got a win at Kentucky this year, but it's more than just that. He's 71 and 34 since getting the job. I firmly believe he will one day coach at the high major level. Really young coach, but really energetic, really good. Um, those are five names. But I'll also tag it with this, Parrish. Nobody has any idea who this is going to be. And because it's DePaul, it it could be someone just so either outside of the box or off the radar that we just don't see it coming. I really think there are so many unknown options that are on the table here. I don't think it's Bobby Hurley because, one, not convinced Arizona State's going to fire. And, and Parrish has mentioned this on the show in the past. Go check Arizona State's historical records and look at what Hurley's done. Uh, I think they would be wrong to fire him. They're in a down year. He's got a short contract. I, and, and I don't think he's coaching against his brother. I don't think those guys have any desire to coach against each other twice a year in the same league. So I, I've seen the Hurley stuff. I frankly don't get it whatsoever. And then the Will Wade stuff seems like half serious, half I want to make a joke on Twitter about this. I just can't see DePaul um, going down and plucking Will Wade and uh, and bringing him aboard. So those are the two of the uh, hotter, trendier, bigger names. But I went with five others outside of that. What are your thoughts on... Uh, on DePaul, if you have any, period. I would I would kick the tires on Will Wade. Um, like, you know, in a different time, I wouldn't. But, like, you know, whatever you think of Will Wade and whatever happened at LSU, that type of stuff is happening everywhere now, and it's okay. <laughs> so, like, I, I just it, – it, previous NCAA issues did, wouldn't really be a thing for me right now if I were a chancellor, president, athletic director. I, I don't – Nobody else seems to care, so I'd, I'd, I'd make myself not care either. Um, I do think sitting head coach is right. They've tried everything there. You know, the hot assistants, the, the player coaches, recruiters, it just nothing works. I would hire somebody. I, I don't need to get into the names, but, but when it, it, on, on the day DePaul hires its next coach, I would like for my reaction to be, I think our reaction needs to be, Mm, I don't know if it's going to work because, man, that's a hard job. But that guy's the guy's a really good coach. People respect that guy as a really good coach. Like, like I'm not saying Mark Schmidt, but like somebody like right. That. Trust me, like I thought about him, but there's no way he's taking the DePaul job. No yeah, way. I don't. Yeah, I'm not speaking for him. I don't. And I'm not saying you would say that, but just so when people think about like some of these names, like these guys are not leaving their jobs for DePaul because DePaul right. is a terrible job. But yeah. like that, I'm not saying him, but yeah. somebody like him, where you go, man, Mark Schmidt. Like he's always uh man he he wins at St Bonaventure and good lord have you ever been to St Bonaventure it could be really hard to win in basketball at St Bonaventure particularly in the A10 you start uh, ranking resources and everything else in that league uh, St Bonaventure going to be closer to the bottom than the top but Mark's done a god good job there for years and years and years I don't know how he does it that's the type of guy I want to hire for DePaul at this point like to find me somebody who you don't know how they've been doing it at this other place because that's the type of guy we need at this place. Somebody who, when they do it, you'll go, I don't know how he's doing it, but I sure am glad he is. Somebody like that, like Mark, or another guy who is a quote-unquote, was just when you ask 10 of his colleagues about him, hey, what do you think about this guy? Oh, that guy's a ball coach. Woo, 
He's really good. He could sure coach. I, that's what I want people to say about him because that's the type of guy. Because look, you you told you just said where you're setting the bar. Can we get to eighth? You hire a guy like that, he won't embarrass you, right? He might not ever get you to the tip top of the league, but he ain't going to embarrass you. And right now, they need somebody who will get them respectable. And I think that somebody the pull of candidates needs to to include for the most part, if not entirely. Guys who are sitting head coaches who have been successful doing more with less, for lack of a better phrase. When DePaul does not make the tournament this year, it will hit the 20-year mark in the court report. I went and did the research on every single high major program to go 20-plus years between tournament appearances. So it's key to know that uh, there were many uh, schools and power conference programs that, you know, didn't make the tournament for the first time until the seventies or even the eighties or the sixties. I didn't count um, that I'm going years between actually making it DePaul last made it in Oh four. And now it's unlikely to make it here. I did trivia time this on, on the tweet machine. I assume that you might've seen it or you read the, uh, you read the story, but there's only one school that has ever gone two times with 20 year plus gaps of making the tournament. Do you know which one that is? I did see the tweet and I intentionally didn't look because I was like in the middle of a million other things. And then I forgot to go back to it. I apologize. Tell me. No, it's okay. Trivia time. Okay. Which, uh, don't look at the chat because they might know. So uh, yeah. which, which school do you think it is? Because there's a lot of candidates. Um, the school will make sense once you, once you learn it, but there's only been one, one power conference school. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not counting like Butler was not a high major for most of its existence. So in retrospect, Butler doesn't qualify, but uh, pretty much almost, almost every other team that's currently in one of the big six leagues did qualify for this. Only one has two different instances of going 20 plus years missing the tournament. Penn State. Three guesses. Penn State, no, but Penn State has one gap of 26 years from 65 to 91. Let's get you three guesses. What's guess number two? Boston College. Boston College has never gone 20 years without making the NCAA tournament. Between or well, it, feels, between well, it feels like they could. It certainly feels like that. I think uh, off the top of my head, I think BC's last run was in 09, so they are uh, about to hit the 15-year mark this year. Yeah, I bet they could do it if they if they stay focused. They, they are certainly uh, they're trying to make it happen. That's right. Yeah, if they just, you know, keep their eye on the ball, I think they can do it. Yep. Well, if it's not Penn State or Boston College, then it's uh, it's clearly F- Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has never gone 20 years between NCAA tournament appearances. I won't read I the bet, whole I list. Bet they could. You, I bet they could. I bet they could. I'll give you the answer in just focused. a second. Uh, the longest uh, gaps at the high major level, Stanford and Wisconsin each went 47 years. Stanford went from 42 to 89. Wisconsin went from 47 to 94. Uh, there are six Pac-12 teams on this list, thanks to John Wooden, uh, which is kind of wild. Um, one of the more surprising ones on the list is Georgetown going from 43 to 75, 32 years. Gives you an idea of what John Thompson built there and the reputation thereafter. The answer to the question mm-hmm. This is why we got to give a shout to the one and only Bill Henderson. Baylor went from 1950 to 1988. It made one tournament in 88, and then it went from 88 to 2008, 20 years exactly, without making the tournament. So the Baylor Bears are the yeah. only program at the high major level to have two 20-plus year gaps of making, or excuse me, of not making the NCAA tournament. I bet, I bet. I bet Boston College could do it if it stays focused. Yeah, there were some surprising ones that like South Carolina doesn't have a great history has never gone 20 plus years between uh it's you know it's squeezed one in here and there but uh but there's you know LSU Georgia Tech Washington Oregon Miami Washington State there's a lot of there's a lot there's more than I want to say there's more than 15 uh programs that uh that qualify there all right let's uh let's look ahead here to uh to the next couple of nights before you got to bounce for your Memphis show GP 
Well, uh, okay. So Wednesday night, that's tonight. I'm really interested in this one. Number eight, Auburn at Alabama. You know, Alabama's got incredible computer numbers. So does Auburn, by the way. But Auburn's got a much better resume than Alabama at this point. Um, that's probably that's probably the game of the night, but not the only interesting game of the night. Number 10, Illinois and Terrence Shannon are headed to Northwestern. Obviously, mm-hmm. Illinois is better than Northwestern, but Northwestern has upset Purdue in that building. So that could be uh, challenging for the Illini. Kansas State is at number 23, Iowa State. The Wildcats are off to a nice start in the Big 12. I would have them in the NCAA tournament right now. They have also played, relative to the type of Big 12 schedule you could play early, they've played an easier one than most. Um, This is obviously a a big challenge at Iowa State, Hilton Magic, all that stuff. That's another one to keep your eye on. Number 24, Colorado State is at Nevada. On CBS Sports Network, we got a triple header starting at 7 Eastern. Murray State at Bradley. Number 14, Marquette at DePaul. And number 25, New Mexico at San Jose State. Thursday night, lighter schedule. Number nine, Arizona is at Oregon State, Beaver Fever. Vermont's at UMass Lowell, Mississippi Riverhawks. Are, that's, a good, that's that's a genuinely yeah. good game right there. That's a great yeah. America East matchup right there. Yep. Yeah, uh, Mississippi Riverhawks still undefeated in the league. And uh, then we got a triple header, quadruple header, starting at 5 Eastern tomorrow night, Thursday night on CBS Sports Network, and that quadruple header will be headlined by, we got St. Mary's on our air, hosted Pacific. That's going to be late night, 11 o'clock Eastern. Anything interest you Wednesday, Thursday? Uh, I would say, you didn't mention Nova at St. John's Wednesday. St. John's on a three-game losing streak, uh, so that's a big home game for Rick Pitino's team in their tournament profile, so that's a biggie there. Uh, Auburn has won 11 straight games by double digits, and Alabama has this one on its home floor. Bama needs a notable win, so gets this game on a home floor. That's a, that's a, that's a big game on Wednesday. So that's probably the most urgent one. Illinois, you mentioned they've won 10 of their past 11 against Northwestern, although Northwestern did win this game last year in Evanston. Um, Illinois fans will probably take up half that building, though. Um, Iowa State, let's see how they uh, they look after going on the road. No tame and Lipsy, and they turned TC over 27 times over the weekend there. So uh, intriguing, but I actually think Iowa State's going to get out of there with some with some comfort. Um, that seems destined to be where uh, both those teams will be 4-2 in the Big 12 afterward. And then Nevada is also on a three-game losing streak uh, hosting Colorado State. So St. John's and Nevada, two bubble teams that need to uh, stop the bleeding and get home wins over potential projected NCAA tournament teams. And then the one from Thursday you didn't mention was uh, San Francisco plays at Gonzaga. Gonzaga should win the game at San Francisco's one of the three good teams in the WCC. Gonzaga's got to keep an eye out there. Can't drop that game at home. I wouldn't think that it would. Before we get out of here, there's one more matter of business we need to take care of. Actually, there's there's two. Uh, first of all, um, happy 54th birthday. It is your oh, birthday. It's, it, it's good. People were... Yeah. Yeah, people were uh, people were all too happy in the chat to wish you a happy birthday, and um, I just wanted to to say thank you for for doing the show on this uh, on this occasion of, of your birth. So I hope you're going to have a wonderful day. Oh, it's um, going to be the best day. You kidding me? Anytime you can work twenty hours, well, four hours of sleep on your birthday, you should do that. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I knew you'd appreciate that. So I at least wanted to acknowledge that for sure. That's very sweet. Thank you. Everybody has a birthday, so I, uh, you know, it's never lost on me. But uh, it is true. Today is mine. I'm not fifty four, even though I do look like it. I'm not a day over forty. I'm not a day over forty seven today. Uh, I don't know about that one, but we'll yeah, ride with you. You know what? Well, we'll, could a fifty four year old have those? Could a fifty four year old have those? Sure. Are you Are you kidding me? 
That's not, that's I feel a like I feel like you investigating step. super strong, super strong, uh, like fifty eight year olds on men like bodybuilders on TikTok might be your kind of. That's thing. a forty oh. set. That 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 bicep couldn't be a day over forty seven. <laughs> and then we got one more thing. One more thing. Nada, can you play it? Just play it, please. He's never made a free throw as a pro, but he has now. I love leaking. How about? <laughs> This was Monday night. Yeah. Anthony Towns goes for what? 62, 63 yeah. on the same night that Joel Embiid goes for 70. That's tough. And then it's the Hornets and Leaky Black locking up the game. Now, do you have the tweet that got dragged, by the way? There was a lot of people like, who is this? So this uh, right here. So this guy, Feel Like Drew, shows a picture of Leaky Black's bio. He goes, Hornets just inventing players. <laughs> And what's, first of all, how dare you? That is, that is Ion College Basketball legend and one of the rare guests ever in podcast history, Leaky Black. And I did get a quick chuckle out of it. Only, uh, first of all, it's awesome to see Leaky getting on the floor in a game like that and and secure. That's great, great stuff. Love to see it. Um, But it's just a reminder and college basketball fans are just as guilty of this. But there is a heavy contingent of People that live and die with the NBA on a daily basis, and they don't know who the hell these people are. Leaky Black played for a blue blood program and had a prominent role for five years. Guys are just hopping online being like, I don't know who the hell this guy is. Two different worlds, man. Entirely. Well, uh, well you know, it works the other way, too. You ready That's for what this? I'm saying. It, it, it absolutely does work the other way because right now I could not tell you one starting player for the Hornets. Uh, well, Brandon Miller probably starts. And LaMelo Ball, if he's not hurt, starts. But I couldn't tell you who starts for the Hornets. Okay, no, no, no this is going to prove my point. It works the other way, too, in, in this way. Last night we were in studio, and Rothstein was talking about Wisconsin. And he said, like, you know, listen, they're good, but there's no Frank Kaminsky. Um, there's no so-and-so. There's no, you ready for this one? Johnny Davis. Where is Johnny Davis right now? <sighs> I... I think he got drafted by the Wizards. So that's my guess is that he's still on the bench with the Wizards. I mean, really on the bench. But he I but mean, I like, the team right. Yes, he couldn't be more on the bench. I, I just, just John said that name and I was like, dude, I haven't heard that name since the night he got drafted. He was a top 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft. He now like barely plays two and a half points per game, something like that. Like, that's the thing. We talk about Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis. Hey, welcome back to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. Have you seen Johnny Davis? And then, boom, I don't even know. Like, you could have told me Johnny Davis was playing in Pakistan, and I'd have been like, wow, that must, something must have went wrong. But I wouldn't have been able to argue with you. Yeah. How about that, man? Leaky Black getting a, getting a glow up in the middle of January at the NBA level. We will stand him forever. Big week for, for podcast legends. Devin Downey, South Carolina. Leaky Black clinching a game. Had to bring that up. And happy birthday, Gary Parrish. I wonder what Huck's up to. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF and T, legend. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening and watching Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected. We're going to talk to you again real soon on Friday. Till then, take care. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley 
One Law. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.